Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the game at the buzzer. And to crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by YouTube TV continue on ABC. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in to The Scoop, the number one UNC football recruiting podcast. Brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt and Blue Shark Buck. Right, welcome into the scoop, the number one UNC recruiting podcast. I'm your host Ross Martin, and joined by the ex, uh, the uh, recruiting guru Don Callahan. What's up, Don? I'm good. I'm wondering who's number two, who's who's right behind us, chasing us for this number one spot. I have no idea. I don't. I don't listen to other. Uh, a lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of sheep. So I don't gotcha. listen to any other. I don't listen to you don't listen any other <clears throat> any other UNC podcast. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into it. We got a a, a packed show, a concise show. We planned it out. Uh, we were recording early on Wednesday morning, coming off on the beat last night. Ended at ten p.m. Now we are around seven thirty-five a.m. recording the scoop. Of course, brought to you by Johnny T-shirt. JohnnyT-shirt.com. Check them out. Remember to use the ten percent off discount code. For all inside Crown subscribers and Blue Shark Vodka, smoothest vodka in the world. We'll talk about both of them later in the show. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to the Inside Carolina Podcast Network wherever you get your podcasts and YouTube. We're doing so much more on YouTube, you know, cutting up clips from different podcasts, all the video interviews. Um, John Bowman's doing a great job building that site, um, that channel. So make sure to subscribe to Inside Carolina YouTube, turn on the alerts when we go live. And, uh, and, of course, get all our podcasts, all the press conferences, all this stuff on YouTube. Don's got some weird lighting going on right now. Yeah. Sun, so, sun, sun's coming through. Yeah, the sun's coming through the man tower right now. Um, it's, like, literally right there. I need sunglasses literally right there. What a – I mean, there's nothing better when the sun hits the man tower. I mean, in, a, in Apex, North Carolina, coming through. Holly Springs, North Carolina. Holly, that's right. Yeah. I get my I get my Raleigh suburbs confused. <laughs> um, I feel like I go through Apex to get there. You do, uh, yeah. All right, let's get into it. Here is the rundown. UNC got a commitment from Ty Adams on Sunday, cornerback uh, mm-hmm. out of Swainsboro, Georgia. We're going to talk about him. He joins UNC's 2023 class. Um, UNC offered a running back, which is a little bit of news. There, uh, they had they had at one point decided not to recruit running backs. But apparently this Jordan Louie guy um, was too good to, to turn down. So they're recruiting and offered a, uh, a running back in the 2023 class. As I pull up the football recruiting list, 
And then we're going to get into kind of team stuff. You know, well, oh, we're oh, going to intertwine team and recruiting, though, with yeah. I'll let you explain it. Yeah, and I want to get into also what else remains for UNC in 2023 as it kind of works into the Jordan Louie and a couple of the names. Just a little update there. And then Don brought this up, and I think it's very valid, a very good conversation. You know, how recruiting um, has affected UNC and why these high-ranked players are maybe not developed or not producing um, on the field in 2022. Don, you want to elaborate on that kind of topic? Yeah, so I, I stole this idea from a question in the Ask Don thread. And basically, I mean, if you follow UNC recruiting, you know that really since Mac Brown came back to Chapel Hill, he's been able to sign a lot of really good players, put together a lot of really good classes. This this class, not so great, but prior to this class, and the a lot of that talent, a lot of four-star talent is on the defensive side of the ball. So trying to talk, I mean, and a lot of those guys are playing, and it, but... If you've watched UNC, you know the defense isn't hasn't been very good. So what's where's the disconnect? Why aren't why aren't uh, the recruiting results turning into on field results? Yeah, I mean it's it's a very complex discussion and very. one that and it's there's like not an easy answer because we're not really in those rooms in those practice rooms in those meeting rooms on the field. Um, and you said disconnect, and I think that's interesting because because Mac used that word on Monday. Not necessarily describing the recruiting, but just a little bit between the coaching and development and why it's not showing up on the field. And then finally, um, this is a question brought to me by uh, a good buddy. Uh, he's on Twitter a lot, and he listens to our podcast, Michael Hardison. He messaged us last night and asked kind of a recruiting question about develop, not development, about um, like the recruiting success of Mac Brown was built on kind of offering this playing time, the chance to build something and the chance to come in and change the culture. Sam Howell, Drake May, all these stars come in and, and be the man and rebuild North Carolina. And so now and I'm going to read this question when we get into it. Like now, what are they selling? Can they still get those four and five stars selling that hope, selling that future and stuff? So I think it's another kind of general question we can get into. I'm going to read the whole thing here. So Don has a better idea of it when we get there. Okay, good, Don. I am great. All right, we're five minutes in. We have a hard out. At 8.25, 8.30, we're going to make this very concise and very smooth. Well, let's get into it. Ty Adams commits to UNC. He becomes UNC's uh, 19th commitment in the 2023 class. UNC's class is now ranked number 20 in the nation, number 20 in the composite, and they have 19 guys. Ty Adams is a 5'11", 175-pound cornerback out of Swainsboro, Georgia. He is ranked in the 24-7 sports composite rankings um, oh, he got a little jump, it looks like, maybe. Uh, 1,265th player, 119th cornerback, and the 119th player in Georgia. You're probably looking at – hold on, let me pull up the actual – so that they shifted – oh, no. Oh, he did get a jump. Like, the jump – I don't know. This is a 247 thing. If you go to his profile, it's different than if you go to any of the profile cars that are any of the stories. Interesting. Okay, yeah. well, he's outside the, the top – 1200 let's say that um but i am seeing a little jump here who knows what happened there don let's go into his recruitment briefly it seemed pretty pretty basic um let's get to that then i want to ask you about him as a player and a couple other questions about ty adams okay so in june he took an official visit to east carolina and committed to the pirates felt set there that's that's the direction he was going to go he was going to be a pirate 
Then in, in I guess it was, yeah, mid, mid-August, mid North Carolina offers him. And you could I could tell immediately talking to him that he wanted to, pun intended, jump ship immediately. But, you know, obviously wanted to kind of go through the process before actually doing so. So he visited North Carolina, his inaugural visit to North Carolina for the home opener against Florida A&M and then scheduled his official visit for the very next home game, which was this past weekend's game against Notre Dame. Um, Just a little bit of, I guess, behind the scenes thing, which I probably should have included in the, in the weekly scoop and just kind of slipped my mind. I got, I don't know how it would fit, but anyway, I get a text from him Saturday night uh, about 1130 saying, Hey, be prepared for a, a commitment switch. Mm -hmm. So I said, okay, just let me know what the plan is. And he texts me Sunday morning, say, Hey, here's the deal. You know, I'm still here. I'm going to meet with Mac. I'm going to call you afterwards. Um, but um, his initial plan was he was going to decommit on Sunday and then commit to North Carolina <clears throat> on Monday. So anyway, so he calls me on Sunday at seven and says, Hey, did it decommit it? And I was like, all right, when are you going to post everything? He said, well, I'm going to post a decommitment right when I get the phone with you. And then I'm going to post a commitment at six on Monday. So then he, I, I see that he tweeted. I just kind of assumed that it was just a decommitment. I get a call from Ben Sherman saying, what's the deal here? Yeah, this kid just committed and we have nothing up. Um, so I was a little ill-prepared because the kid changed the plan on me at the last moment and decommitted and committed at the same time on Sunday night. Which was fine because we already had everything already. It was just a matter of, you know, yeah. I'm in bed. You know, I'm getting my beauty rest. You know what I mean? So I had to hop out of bed and handle things. Yeah, all right. So uh, committed to East Carolina June 19th. Uh, then UNC offered uh, and committed to UNC on September 25th. Uh, is this just a matter of Power 5 school, a little better opportunity for him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, and I think um, when – I think people, fans, think that if North Carolina has a need, that they're all of a sudden going to go out to the four-star tree and pluck a prospect off that tree um, or tr- steal someone from somewhere, you know, another Power 5 school. In reality, a lot of what happens is is there is no more four-stars. They're either If they're not committed somewhere else, they have a very finite list of schools that they're looking at that they're focused on. And it's very difficult to get into this, get into that race this late in the process. So you kind of have to go down the food chain and that's what North Carolina did. Um, and, you know, stole at least one DB from East Carolina is trying to steal a second. Um, Aiden Duncanson, I'm sure we're going to get into a little bit later on. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause UNC's missed on a, a couple cornerbacks, right? I'm trying yeah. to, their name, the names escape me. Who they've missed on? Do you remember? Um, oh, well, so there's, there's Braden. Yes. Okay. God, now I'm going blank on, um, the kid from, from central Florida, two kids from central Florida. And then, um, the, God, one, guy. Why, the one that, that, uh, Clemson offered at the very end and he ended up going there also. Yeah. We'll look um, it up, look it up during the break, but, uh, yeah, all right. So they got they got Ty Adams here. Um, he gives UNC how many cornerbacks now? Uh, yeah, three DB commits. Three DB commits and look, good length, five eleven, um, good speed, one seventy five weight. What does he bring 
uh, to their quarterback position as we wrap up this part of the podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry. all right. So the guys, just to kind of get it out there, Shelton Lewis was the the kid who was set for North Carolina. Clemson offered right, very very at the end, and then he ended up committing to to Clemson. Braden Marshall was a kid who didn't list UCF in his finalists and ends up staying home and go and choosing UCF. And then the last guy was Zach Toby, who was committed to North Carolina. And then Illinois came in and, you know, there's some NIL stuff going on there and he ended up flipping to Illinois. Um, so, but to answer your question, what does um, Ty Adams bring to North Carolina? He's kind of um, a throwback recruit. And what I mean by that is, when I first started, way back when there was leather helmets, typically you would you when you were looking for DBs. This sun is killing me. Is it? How is it? Is it really bad on the? It, like you look completely white on one side, and then like very shiny white, and then completely dark on the other side. Okay, you look All like right. uh, like the fan, is, Phantom of the Opera or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It is brutal right now. Anyway, so what 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 I mean by throwback recruit is that typically back in the day when you would recruit or try to find dbs you would go to a school and kind of you know a school that they would play their best athlete at the quarterback position and that's what ty adams is you know he plays for swansboro plays quarterback mostly does play some defensive back but um you he's a raw athlete who has the speed has the the hip movement has um the ball skills has the playmaking ability to play defensive back but most of his experience on the high school level is at um, the quarterback position in a running quarterback situation. He's not a passer at all. He, he is, you know, I mean, he probably throws like two, three times a game. Um, so, so he's a little bit raw. So he's going to take some time to actually make an impact on North Carolina's roster, but, but he has the speed. He has the playmaking ability for sure. Yeah. So uh, high school quarterback, we'll have to learn the position coming to yeah. Carolina. And yeah. so that, that's definitely a development process. A lot of technique stuff. Ty Adams commits to UNC, becomes the 19th commitment in this class. All right, let's move on. UNC offered a running back, sorry, Jordan Louie, a West Virginia commitment, 5'11", 205, out of Meadow Creek High School in Norcross, Georgia, Atlanta suburb, um, 756-ranked guy in the 24-7 sports composite, number 51 running back, number 74th player in Georgia. He's kind of blown up. Uh, this fall after, I guess, some good video, good tape coming out of his fall season. What's going on with UNC's running back uh, recruitment? And more specifically, what's going on with Jordan Louie and UNC? So back in the spring, we actually mentioned a few times in some weekly scoops as a guy that the staff kind of had their eye on, really liked, liked his film. Um, he's a compact guy uh, with, with, some, with some surprising wiggle to him, but some good power to him also. Definitely kind of you know, we're always throwing around the uh, Javante Williams comparisons um, to the point where it's almost meaningless, but he kind of fits that sort of compact, powerful, but elusive um, mold sort of thing. But anyway, so um, uh, communication with him kind of continued and then um, really started to come to a point where North Carolina felt like, hey, yes, we do not need a running back. But this kid is really putting up killer numbers. You know, he plays in the Atlanta area, which is one of the most competitive areas in this in the nation for high school football. And in three of his five games this season, he's rushed for over 200 yards and two touchdowns. The other two games are 100 plus yard rushing outings. 
Um, putting up those numbers against that competition, you can't ignore. Georgia is also kind of talking to them. They have an offer, but they bring him. They're, they're kind of doing Georgia and, and Florida State are doing what North Carolina has already done in that bringing him to campus, you know, kind of getting a feel for him, talking to him, seeing him in person, those sort of things, and then kind of going from there. I, I asked Rusty Manziel just where, you know, because obviously he's an in-state kid for Georgia, um, where UGA sees him. And he his comment to me was, well, he's moved up significantly <clears throat> on their board. Um, so, so this is a kid with, uh, with, um, his stock is rising and, and North Carolina obviously wanted to kind of, wants to kind of seize on that. Okay. So what, I mean, he's committed to West Virginia. Committed he, to West Virginia. Yes. He, he visited UNC this weekend, right? This past weekend. That's when he was offered. Yes. And I, I was reading your article, you know, it looks like he wants to kind of visit other places and take this into December and maybe even February. How do you, how do you see this going? Um, is, is it a flip situation? Is it wait and see on Georgia, Florida State, some of the, the bigger, more national programs? How do you see it breaking down for Jordan and Louis? So the – well, a lot's going to depend on these next few weeks and who ends up offering him. I think yeah. it's – North Carolina has talked to him. Do you have a question? Where is he visiting? Again, Florida State. So this week he's going to Florida State. Next week he's going to Georgia. Okay. And there's always the possibility of other schools. Actually, I expect other schools to kind of jump in there too for him. But – um North Carolina has begun to talk to him about official visits. I think it's very smart that they're talking about December official visits with him because he's probably going to uh, to sign and decide in December. And we, we talked about this all summer uh, about just the timing of official visits, how key that is. Mm -hmm. And so to make sure that you get one of those final official visits, if not the final official visit is key for North Carolina. So we have a long ways to go with this, but I think North Carolina is playing this pretty well. All right. Jordan Louie, I just pulled up his offer list. Uh, 5'11", 205 out of Georgia. Um, you know, pretty interesting recruitment to follow. And, of course, you know, things change in the fall. We're seeing that now. And, you know, who knows, there may be a couple other guys UNC reaches out to as they get more tape and the fall season continues. On that note, Don, before we get into ads here, um, what else remains for UNC in the 2023 class? So really they would, I mean, there's only two guys who are three guys that have offers that haven't committed anywhere. And that's Aiden Duncanson, who I mentioned briefly earlier. He's a defensive back from Georgia. Also teammate of UNC commit Caleb Lavalli currently committed to, to East Carolina. Then there's Davon Hobbs, which we haven't really talked about a whole lot recently because from for North Carolina's purposes, not a whole lot of positive movement there. Um, and then we just talked about J J uh, Jordan Louie. And it's really at the point where whatever North Carolina can get from these guys and any additional guys who, who will emerge, uh, I'm not saying some will, but there's always that potential. You know, a week ago, I probably wouldn't have expected Louie to get an offer. Mm -hmm. Um but for the most part, it's seeing what happens with these guys and then kind of plugging the, the remaining holes through the transfer portal. Okay. That actually leads into a great question. So needs are what? Quarterback and defensive line? I, I oh, all right. So needs are offensive line okay. and, um, and DB. Those are probably, I would say, the needs. Okay. We talked about those a little bit, a little bit last night. I mentioned, I think it was answer to a question with recruiting. Is there a concerted effort to move to taking a little bit less, 
and then waiting and seeing who's in the transfer portal. Like, is that the kind of new wave that UNC is getting into of like, look, let's let's not take five more kids. Let's take five more transfers in January or May um, and build our roster that way. Get a guy who has two years eligibility, even one year eligibility, somewhere from up Alabama, Georgia, another school, LSU, somewhere that they need more. They want more playing time in their second string, but a high rate kid. Is that are you seeing that trend for UNC? And and obviously it's a trend for a lot of those schools as well. Yeah. So I think you're just from my conversation because we haven't seen any actions yet. And there's mm-hmm. still we're you know, we, we talked about in the last podcast the changes to the transfer portal um and just how that's affecting things. I th- talking to sources, what it feels like is that you're starting towards the end of a cycle, you're getting into there to immediate need and um long-term needs Mm -hmm. and so obviously immediate needs would be you know transfer portal situation and so i i think what north carolina is realizing at db and offensive line because if you remember they wanted to sign more d more dbs than what they have committed right now and more offensive linemen than what what they have committed right now but they're starting to realize hey it's great to get these high school kids in but they're not going to be able to contribute immediately. And we, we need the help next season sort of thing. And so let's try the transfer portal. And it's going to be really, for me, really interesting because yes, North Carolina's had some success in the transfer portal, but there's been a lot of, um, you know, attempts to fill potential needs at the transfer portal that have been unfulfilled. Yeah. And I think all the points you said are are great and valid. Like, you saw the success. They needed a pass rusher. They got Noah Taylor, who's who's been pretty good. They needed a center. They went out and got a great center that's been that's been a huge fill of a need. Like without Corey Gaynor, like I think it, there'd be a lot more issues in the offensive line. They got a a good utility offensive lineman and Spencer Rowland, who started as well. So instead of waiting for a freshman, a retro freshman, even a sophomore to develop, get a guy who's been in a college program ready for three years, has the strength conditioning down, who just needs a chance, maybe. You know, he's not playing enough, wants a new start, go and get him and then plug him in for one year, two years. You're seeing that success, and it can it changes recruiting so much. Um, I think UNC could use a safety. Um, you know, it, it just it just get a little more talent, safety at corner. Um, running back, they're good. Wide receivers, they're good. O-line, I think you could always go in and get uh, just a little bit more experience and depth in offensive line. D-line, um, like why not go in the play the positions that you, you that are you have a little questions about who's going to start or you need a little depth, go in and get a transfer. Like, why not? So I think we'll see that a lot more. Uh, I think that's the way recruiting is going across the nation. I know it's a little bit difficult for UNC to get some players in. I think it's easier if they're not grad transfers, correct? It's easier if they are grad transfers. Well, aren't there some programs like it's very tough to get into for grad well, students? Is so, that there, kind of- so that's, yeah, um, you're right about that. But if you look at the guys at North Carolina was – like Noah Taylor, Gaynor, um, and Spencer Rollin, those are all graduate yeah. transfers. And if you look at some of the other ones um, who've come in recently, they're being grad transfers. It's yes, it is difficult to, to qualify for those um, grad programs. Grad programs, but it's also difficult to have enough credits and have the GPA for a undergraduate student to transfer to North Carolina, which is something Mac Brown's going to have to work on with um, admissions department. Yeah, dude, your lighting is awful right now. Is it? Like, I do you want me to? Do you want me to? I can close the blinds and turn the light on. I don't know if it. Let's try that. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna talk right now. 
We got Don Callahan. Don't cut this, Don Callahan. I saw him wearing some nice basketball shorts. He's going to close the blinds and turn a light on. I don't know why he didn't have a light on before. Um, seems like it'd be natural to have a light on. There you go. Um, Don Callahan, big-time Philly fan. Um, not cargo shorts today. Surprisingly, is wearing a Flyers jersey. Um, okay. All right, we're back. You good? That's much better. Why yeah. would you not have the light on initially? I don't. I actually did not turn the light on. That's I know, just... but why not? Oh, you didn't turn the light on. I didn't turn the light on. All I did was close the blinds. So why because... is it why is it lighter? Probably because the lighting is not directly at one spot and kind of moving. I mean, literally the sun, like I should have had sunglasses on. Like I probably burnt my retina, my left <laughs> retina, um, because it was like literally right there. Hey, you know, that was, if the sun's so hot, why is space cold? I, I know that there's like a reason for that because that's like this, what, like a TikTok question or whatever. But uh, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer off the top of my head. All right, someone just walk through the video. All right, let's get into Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com, your one-stop shop for everything you need. UNC apparel-wise, got basketball season coming up. Get a football jersey, shirt, sweatshirts, crew neck sweatshirts, hooded sweatshirts. It's getting a little cool outside. Hats, everything you need, Johnny T-shirt and johnnytshirt.com. Guys, it's important to support and help out independent um, local companies like Johnny T-shirt, like Inside Carolina. It's good synergy. We're working together. So head to johnnytshirt.com or stop by their store on Franklin Street and get everything you need for UNC. Tell them Inside Carolina sent you. And if you are an Inside Carolina subscriber, use the 10% off discount code to get 10% off your order. It makes a difference on large orders, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. Get all your shopping done for the holidays. Johnny T-shirt and johnnytshirt.com. I want to thank them for the support. And I also want to mention here, Blue Shark Vodka. They sponsor Calling the Shots, they sponsor On the Beat. Blue Shark Vodka, the smoothest vodka in the world. Shout out to the company based in Wrightsville, Connor Barth, a local independent vodka company, helping us out, supporting us, uh, and just helping um, what we do at Inside Carolina, bring you all these podcasts. A couple of national ads, and we'll be back to discuss kind of broader recruiting issues, development issues, how that affects recruiting as we get into kind of the 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 um the mesh point between recruiting and team stuff here on the scoop brought to you by Inside Carolina. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we are back. Don, what's going on? Not too much. If you want to know the why there's been traffic behind me, I'm still dealing with the uh, refrigerator being broken. Jeez, what's going on there? So they they came out and fixed it, and then it didn't work. And so called them, and the whatever the part they put in was a bad part. And I have to wait until next week for them to uh, have the new part and to put that in. So, so we're just dealing with the little Mantower fridge. So the fridge in your downstairs downstairs kitchen is doesn't work. Does not work. Has not worked for I think I think it's been over a month now. And so, like milk, 
anything cold is in in your little is in the man tower next dorm, to the beer dorm dorm fridge yeah unreal yeah. unreal what about the freezer so it, it does have a freezer but it's one of those like really skinny ones that's meant for pizza only but the freeze been... the freezer doesn't work downstairs either no no Golly. yeah so we basically go to the grocery grocery store like every other day because you know yeah. All right, let's get into it, Dom. You want to talk about this? Um, you always blame it on me. Hi, how, why there is a little bit of disconnect between the rankings in recruiting and the pro- prospects UNC's landed versus production on the field in 2022. And you know, not to call people out, but look, there's there's been some five stars, four stars on the defensive line, um, you know, throughout the roster that just the rankings. UNC's had like the number 15, you know, top 20 recruiting classes now for almost three, four seasons. And their defense is ranked number 123 in the nation. So there's almost like a 90 point difference in recruiting ranking versus the defensive ranking. What's going on? How do you want to start this, Don? And let's get into it. So I think that the the basis of it is that um, I forget how the question was phrased to me, but ba- but basically, you know, why is it why aren't these rankings producing on the field and i feel like there's three reasons three potential reasons or maybe a combination of these three one those guys weren't or were overrated mm-hmm. you know um but if they're overrated it's it's obviously on the, the those who do the rankings but it's also on north carolina and all the other schools that offer these guys very rarely do you see a guy highly ranked actually you never see a guy highly ranked who doesn't have a gazillion offers so, yeah, yeah. So, there, so it's, it's on the ranking, but like it's, it's on, on the, the coach. It's on the coaching it's on the, staff. It's on the coaching staff specifically nowadays. You you have almost kind of like a separate sort of scouting department. It's not completely a separate scouting department, but there are people who whose job is almost exclusively to watch high school film and to help make make um, decisions for recruiting purposes. The second potential reason is a lack of development. And Mm -hmm. for me, I define that as strength and conditioning, um, nutrition, anything else off the field, but also I consider fundamental coaching as part of it, Mm -hmm. as part of that development. Because I think there's key things that these high school, that these freshmen, for example, who aren't playing that are, are, are supposed to be picking up in practice that's going to help them in future years. The third item is coaching mo- mostly like scheme and putting the players in the right position. We have seen whether we realize or not tons of guys who have actually played better or produced more than what their talent level is because they're put in an ideal situation for their skill set or they're highlighted or the scheme is just re- you know just just so, you know, a system that that seems to work for a quarterback, a receiver, a, you know, particular defensive players, that sort of thing. It's why there's guys who have great college careers and just are complete busts on and on the and in the NFL because you know they're in a college system that that really kind of shines for them. Um, so, I guess my question to you, and I know we're so limited. You guys don't get to go to practices. You get what? How many practices did you guys go to? One, two. The first and second practice. Second one was a scrimmage. Yeah. So you got to go to two practices. You don't get to see the workouts and all that sort of stuff. Um, 
I think that because we're dealing with such a large number of recruits that are highly ranked, statistically speaking, it's difficult to say all of them are overrated. I mean, is that do you think that's fair to say? I mean, could North Carolina, however many of these guys, just or just yeah. all of them are overrated? I just don't think that's that's possible. Yeah, I don't think you you miss on everyone or yeah. even even a majority of the one. But- and a lot of these guys were. They weren't like four stars that people stopped recruiting. They were four stars that Clemson stayed on for a long period of time, that Georgia stayed on, um, and that's sort where of, they, they were guys who were highly coveted. Um, yeah. So I don't think – I mean, yeah, there are probably situations where some of these guys just are just plain busts that, that shouldn't – that didn't deserve the ranking. Um, but I think much more likely it's either in the development or it's something to do with you know the scheme or the game day coaching sort of thing. Yeah. Okay. I really like how you lay that out and it gives us a good way to, it gives us a good kind of blueprint to talk about this, the three things you said. Um, and look off the top and Don said it like, dude, I have no idea how these guys are being developed. You mm-hmm. know, like I have no idea what goes on during practice other than what the coaches and players tell us, mm-hmm. which is obviously going to be biased. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what goes on in the meeting rooms in terms of how they're learning scheme and learning fundamentals and, and watching tape and improving. I have no idea about truly how good the strength conditioning is, good or bad, what the nutrition is like, how it compares to other programs, what the standard is. Like I've never been on a staff, so I don't know exactly what to look for. And look, I have no idea if the strength conditioning is is the issue or not. I mean, it easily could be, easily could not be. Um, same thing with nutrition. Um, and so that I want to say off the top, like we're discussing this, you have to be careful discussing this from a, a point of a lot of lack of knowledge yeah, and, and lack of just, we don't know. And it's not really our fault. It's just like, we just don't know. So we gotta be careful when we talk about this. Cause we don't want to place blame on people where there's, there's not blame overrated part. Yeah. I mean, there's gonna be tons of kids that are overrated. You're, you're ranking, you know, thousands of kids. There's going to be misses. There's going to be rankings that are skewed based on size, based on playing against really good talent or really good talent or versus not very good talent there's gonna be just misses on i think a lot of it is mentality and kind of the 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 mental makeup of players sometimes like you see a freak athlete who dominates a smaller player you know or just is really dominant against lesser teams but is but doesn't have that mentality to come into college and work hard and improve and when he goes against players that just good as him he's not as good because he didn't have that drive. He didn't mm-hmm. have that work ethic. He didn't yes. have that, just that dog in him. Um, so you, you have to recruit the physical traits and what you see on tape and the speed and the talent and the um, size and length or whatever. But I think recruiting the person is just as important at the college level because you need someone who can handle college, who can work hard, who can get better, who wants to get better, who's motivated to get better and has that drive, but then brings it on the field in terms of like, just being a dog, like some players don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think recruiting that side of the person is super important. Like get to know the player and and talk to their coaches, talk to everybody around them and see if like, is this guy love football? Does he want to get better? What are his goals? How does he work, you know, compared to someone who maybe it was easy for him and mm-hmm. won't be as motivated once he gets to college. I think that is a mm-hmm. is worthy of discussion there. Um, and then a lot of this, on the if, if they're missing on recruits, that's on the that's on the staff on evaluating. You're yeah. obviously, and that goes along with what I just said. But like evaluating, like 
is this kid really a, a four-star? Is he really a five-star? Is he really one of the most elite defensive ends in the country? Is he really an elite defensive tackle? Or is he just dominating? And there's so you got to do – there's a lot of scouting, and that's where you miss. Like, don't just take a kid because he's, you know, 6'6", 3'10". If he, if he doesn't – if you don't think he can produce at the college level, then, then don't take him. And you're, you're seeing some of that. Um, and so I think the rank – it's a tough job because the rankings are shiny and bright mm-hmm. and it look great. It looks great on the recruiting classes, but maybe mm-hmm. that three star is better. And may, and you see that all the time. You see the, yeah. some of the three stars be better than a four star, five star. And sometimes, and that, that goes down to the, the scouting department on, on campus and within the program. Anything to add on that? That's yeah. So I think one, that's the number one topic you talked yeah, about. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, everything you said is is 100% right. I agree 100% with the uh, the stuff you said about the, um, you know, some players, it was just so easy for them because they were physically bigger, faster, and they can kind of get by with just those traits. Um, the other thing I'll say, kind of just to, to, to piggyback on, on what you ended with, is that human nature does play into this. This is not, this is a an art, not a science, and if a kid has a four-star rating, yes, you are making those evaluations, but it's hard in the back of your head to be, you know, with that four-star in the back of your head and you see a kid and you're like, oh, he's not really good. It's hard to say, yeah, we shouldn't recruit him. You know, I get that he's in state. I get that he's a four-star, but I just don't like what I see on film. And some of that stuff is, is, is difficult to do too. But, um, but anyway, that's kind of getting a little bit off topic. Um, the development stuff, I guess, is the next thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so, yeah, I think this is – obviously, there's a lot of different issues here. The strength conditioning, we talk about that, nutrition. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, if that's yeah. the issue. It, there's it no easily, way to measure it. It easily could be. If they're getting pushed around at four and five stars, they're getting pushed around by Notre Dame's four and five stars. But it, here's the thing, and this is what, what kind of irritated me a little bit. Mac Brown brought that up a lot with Notre Dame, mm-hmm. but didn't bring it up – when North Carolina kind of got pushed around by the other three schools that they played who recruit outside of the top 75, you know? And I mean, I mean, you know, Florida A&M and App State and um, Georgia State, I mean, they threw, they moved the ball with ease against North Carolina's defense. And the thing was, and I got to give Ross, I've been giving you a lot of praise when I talked to Ben recently because the media that covers UNC, and some of this is just because there's not a whole lot of media left. Here we go. They're so soft. They really are. The questions are so soft. They just want to do their job and get out of there. Um, but you have asked some hard questions, particularly on Monday, and I appreciate that. Because one of the things I think, and I'm paraphrasing, and maybe I heard it wrong, was um, I think one of your questions was, hey, I get the fact that Notre Dame has all these you know, blue chip guys on their offense, but North Carolina has a bunch of highly ranked guys on their defense. Why was the disconnect? Cause really, I really should have probably done the research, but I'm willing to bet that the, the defense at North Carolina fielded from a recruiting ranking standpoint, the offense that Notre Dame fielded, I, I'm willing to bet it's pretty similar. Like there's not this huge discrepancy. Yeah. They, they did look, the defensive line looked, their Notre Dame's defense line looked bigger and better and faster and stronger. And look, they've been recruiting this way for a long time. I get Max's argument. It is a little bit of an excuse because UNC's been recruiting well too. I think their uh, Notre Dame's defensive line versus UNC's offensive line, there was a discrepancy there. 
But but yeah. but that wasn't the problem on on Saturday. What was it? The problem was UNC, UNC's defense, yeah, 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 which has yeah. the talent, and Notre Dame's offense. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, yeah. So all right, so back to the development. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, Travis Shaw, Javari Ritzy, Keyshawn Silver, Des Evans, uh, Reva Hasek, obviously not a huge recruit. Like those guys are big. They're they're highly talented. So why aren't they? Why isn't that Miles Murphy? Why isn't that crew being able to compete with the offensive line of Notre Dame? Lack of development, strength, condition, nutrition, coaching fundamentals. Like I think there's a little disconnect between the de- why aren't why is the development not there? Like Miles Murphy, Javari Ritzy, Des Evans, like they should be. I think. Do, a but little- do you th- are do you- and I know I'm putting you on the spot, and there's a lot of things you don't know. Do you think the development is not there? Yeah, I think I think you have to say that with okay. the development of some of the defensive positions. Like, okay. I just think, like, what else could it be? Like, they aren't as good as their ranking suggests, and it's not um, it's not experienced now. Like, Miles Murphy's a junior. Mm-hmm. Rich is a redshirt freshman. Desmond Evans. And I'm, I, I shouldn't be calling out these guys particularly because it's not just them. It's, it's a lot of different other – it's a lot of other players, but – it feels um, like most of the players on the defense have made a huge mistake, you know, sometime this season. Yeah, I mean, the defense is awful, Don. Um, so I think there's a definitely. I mean, look, the there's a huge lack of 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 development over the last four years of these players, and some of these coaches have been on the staff for four years. So at some point, it's like, dude, why aren't these kids getting better as a unit too? Like, why isn't the defensive line getting better? It, it's regressed. They should be better. Yeah. Like they they didn't lose anybody on the defensive line. No, they didn't lose anybody. It should be better. Well, it's supposed to be better. You know, supposedly Jay Bateman was the problem. You get rid of Jay Bateman and the defense. I asked you this question last time. I'm going to ask you again. Is the defense better or worse? It is worse. And look, they've gone against App State, Florida A&M and Georgia State. Crappy competition. I get Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah, Notre Dame. Look, they're going to struggle against teams like Notre Dame. But yeah, they've gotten worse against crappier competition. Um, and so why like, that's weird that it's gotten gotten worse. And I think the quarterbacks look, I'm not an ex nose guy, and like I, I want to be very careful here. The cornerbacks too, like, why are they still missing assignments? Why are why are these players missing gaps and 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 why is this or is there a disconnect with the scheme? Like that's coaching and fundamentals and 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 somehow how the teaching from the coach's mouth, the player's ear, why aren't they doing and and, and making so many mistakes? It's that one of eleven thing they always talk about, like one guy not doing his job. Like, why isn't that one player doing his job? I don't. Even, so that's what they've said, but like particularly against Georgia State, who has probably the worst quarterback I've ever seen at this level. Terrible. <laughs> has no idea about putting touch on the ball. Is so inaccurate, and the only reason why he connected with guys because they were so wide open, and he actually missed a bunch of wide open guys yeah. over their heads. But when guys are so incredibly wide open. That's not just one guy making a mistake. That's just not. Yeah. Because yeah. there's because if you're playing a zone, there's other people. I mean, like some of these guys, you, you're I'm, I'm watching on TV, a quarterback drops back and then he throws the pass, and you see there's no UNC guys in in the screen. That's not yeah. a. That's a little that's bit not, of a, that's a little bit of a scheme. Not well, getting pressure. Not getting pressure on the quarterback, and and not you know, not, not having press coverage like. There's, they are running wide open in the first three games, like across the field, even with Michael Mayer against Notre Dame. Like, so there's, I don't know. I think there's a lack of talent at safety. Mm-hmm. I, I think they do miss Jacorius Conley. Like, yeah. they're playing the same four and five guys. Uh, they're bringing in Will Hardy some, but like, I think Conley, even though, you know, he's more of kind of inside the box guy, 
they could have mm-hmm. used that against Notre Dame. Like they need his physicality and, and he's out obviously with a knee injury. We don't know his return, but there's just a, that goes back to recruiting and, and building depth. Um, there's just a little bit of a lack of talent and, and some of these five stars, you know, that, Tony Grimes, Storm Duck, like they haven't had the best season. Um, yeah. I think, I think they know that. I, so I'm, I'm not, I feel like I'm not saying anything that's crazy. So they're just, well, there's look, no, there's not, a, there's no playmaker. From the defense, there's no one making plays. Yeah, like they have, they forced not, one. I think they forced one turnover. Yeah, so they're not only right. getting beaten down, regardless. And like everyone's, or not everyone. There are some people who are like, "Oh, the the secondary looked better." The secondary, to me, didn't. How do you know the secondary looked better against Notre Dame? Notre Dame didn't really have to throw the ball. Any and and the few times they did, they made plays. But really, Notre Dame was like, "All right, the way we beat North Carolina is to get a lead and just completely run and run and run yeah. and run." They couldn't stop the run. Yes. And then that not only gets the yards and scores the points, but it kills the clock to keep because because Notre Dame knew they didn't want to get into a shootout with North Carolina because of Drake May, which is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Keep, keep the ball, keep the ball away from him. That's what yeah. did. And they could not stop the run. Don watches a lot of football here, guys. So he, he actually I, I, I you do have a lot of knowledge about the actual game. What do you think about? Oh, boy. Know, like they, they rushed four. They brought five sometimes. And they've dropping seven or dropping six. Like when 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 Notre Dame is running the ball and running the ball, twelve straight runs, like you know, seven yards, eight yards, fifteen yards. Like, do you just load the box up and dare them to throw? Like at some point, you gotta be like, yeah, we you- we, we gotta stop this run. We need to bring eight guys in the box. Bring your jumbo package. Like, what do you? Th- what's your philosophy on like that aspect of 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 moving people in the box versus dropping in coverage? Yeah, so I mean, what you want the the logical step to think about is to put guys in the in the box. But the reason why you don't have them in the box because they're so afraid of getting beat deep, and the um the you know Coach Chiswick and Coach Warren, they are just like, all right, we can handle these what felt like seven yard gains every rush as long as we're not giving up these deep passes mm-hmm. and that's what it felt like was that they didn't want the deep pass Notre Dame was like okay fine no yeah. big deal um so so it, it's so hard once an offense can kill you with one thing yeah it's hard because then once you try to stop that one thing then you open up the other and mm-hmm. then you're just on skates and then it's just an impossible situation yeah. um you know I mean I think that that it's clear, at least against Notre Dame, that they felt like even though Pine is, is not a good quarterback, although he might be one of the better quarterbacks that they face, but he's not a good quarterback. They they did not want to get beat deep by by Pine. Yeah, well, they got beat, you know, a death by a thousand knives or whatever it's called. I mean, it was it was death by something like that. Um, yeah, we need to move on, but uh. I, I kind of worry about your know, teams now have kind of the blueprint, you know, well, that's what, of- so all right, before we completely move on. So I've watched two full games of Virginia tech. I watched the ODU game and I watched the West Virginia game. Mm-hmm. Their offense is terrible. Right. Well, so, so was Notre so Dame's right. Well, that's yeah. Yeah. I I mean, that's what well, that's, you worry about. Like, like Notre Dame sucks. Like the quarterback sucks. Like they destroyed UNC. Well, that's what I, I had the conversation with Tyler right before kickoff and we were kind of talking about what we thought was going to happen. I told him, I was like, look, yeah, Notre Dame stinks, but their defense is actually pretty good and they contained Ohio state. Mm -hmm. So all they have to do is just, 
you have be have a decent a decent game, and UNC's uh, UNC's defense typically allows that. So that's so that's my my thing, and I'm, I'm I guess I'm asking you, although I don't I know that you're not going to answer, but like Virginia Tech's offense, particularly their passing offense, Grant Wells looks like crap, and just is not a playmaker. I don't even I wouldn't even call him like a I don't know. I mean, he's just he's just a guy out there. He's like Ross Martin out there. Um, but that Georgia State quarterback was terrible. Yeah. What do you what do you expect from Virginia Tech? I mean, I've, clearly I've really, inferior. I think it's a great chance, a great opportunity for UNC defense to get some confidence and, and see what works, get after the quarterback, you know, make some plays. And yeah, I mean, it doesn't look on paper, doesn't like Virginia Tech's that good. So it's an opportunity. I mean, I think it's a good chance. I mean, it's set up for UNC to win a lot of games still. The offense is so good. Like Drake yeah. is so good. Well, that's so the thing. They, the defense can improve and like, dude, all they're saying all the right things. And look, Gene Chizik is not the issue, I don't think. And obviously, it's responsible. He's responsible for it, but like, he is a good. I think he is a above average coach that knows what he's doing. It's just there. He's got to get these guys in line and get a little bit better, a little bit better, and, and maybe switch up a couple things. Well, he, like, but the one thing, if you remember, he has his reputation of a bend don't break, mm-hmm. and it's. It works. It worked in the past because he, it never broke. It just his defense would just bend. But it feels like like against Notre Dame, it was you know break break break. I mean, yeah. do you feel like that's some of it? Whereas because it, what you're what you were laying out with dropping everybody, and just kind of allowing the mm-hmm. the short passes. That's kind of a bend a bend don't break oh, mentality. Yeah, yeah. Everything in front of you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Don't press coverage. Like keep don't allow in front the big play. Yeah. And then we miss tackles. That's what it, that's what it happens there. So, yeah, I would like to see a little bit of, like, you know, a little bit more pressure in terms of blitz packages, a little bit more press coverage of the cornerbacks. I don't know, just step it up. All right, let's be, we have a couple minutes here before we get out of here. Um, I think we kind of hit on your third thing about coaching and scheme and putting players yeah. in the right position to be successful. I mean, like Rod Rod Dilworth, for example, he's on the field. He's getting destroyed by Notre Dame's offensive lineman. Like, that's – he's going to get destroyed by Notre Dame's offensive lineman. Like, he's a small defender. Like, maybe put out a bigger linebacker against – uh, uh, an offensive line like Notre Dame. I don't know. Um, so I think or like use I said, him differently, use him more in, in the third level. I mean, yeah. that, that goes back to the putting guys in the best position to succeed. Yeah. yeah. To I mean, like maybe, mentality. maybe he, maybe he could be some guy that is some safety linebacker hybrid that can track the quarterback and, and get the angles right, you know, from a little bit back in the, in the in linebacker position, who knows? Um, or, you know, like you, what you were saying, where instead of dropping seven, you have him come in as like an, a, a almost like a DB, but he's providing more run support because that's obviously his, his thing. I mean, yeah. something along those lines yeah. might end up being helpful. Yeah, yeah. Just outside the box sort of thinking. Yeah, there got to be some changes because the blueprint's out there and it's not working. So teams are going to see that and try to do the exact same thing. So you got to give them some different looks. All right, let me ask you this question real quick. We'll get okay. out of here. It's from Michael Harrison. I'm going to read the whole thing. Since Mac came back to Chapel Hill and tried to kickstart our recruiting, part of his approach has been to highlight building from the ground up, like come in, change things, build this program. You've heard this from players, recruits repeatedly. I want to build something, a chance to compete and play immediately. Sometimes that's worked. Sam Howell, Drake May, Amar and Hampton. Um, but defensively, as UNC attracted four and five stars that thought playing time was basically guaranteed, Long and short of it, are we attracting five stars that think they can walk in and run the place because Mac is stressed so much he wants to build something and therefore aren't as willing to put in the work? 
That's a very, very interesting question that I've never really thought about. Um, like you think, I guess the point is like these guys come in and think they have already kind of got arrived. it made, arrived. Like, I, like yeah. I should be playing, starting. I don't have to put in the work because I was so good as a recruit. And and Max L is going to start, and here I am starting, and I, I don't have to get much. I don't know. Is that kind of it's kind of a weird perspective? Yeah, I, I never thought of it like that. I don't, I don't think that's an issue, um, because really, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's an issue. Um, but I mean, it's one of those things where I don't know. I'm not around those kids. Um, and I mean, you know, Travis Shaw is seeing some time. He saw some time against Notre Dame, which was good. I, I don't know why he's not playing more. I mean, it, it, I get it. I mean, size wise, he definitely has a size. He might not have the conditioning. Uh, he has the playmaking ability. I get that you can't do anything super duper sophisticated because he doesn't have the experience and probably the, the base knowledge. Um, but I don't know why he's not throwing out there a lot more. Yeah, I can I, understand some other positions why you wouldn't play someone, but I don't know. I um, need to go back and kind of watch what he's done um, because I haven't rewatched their damn game yet. Um, yeah, if, if, if he's been effective and he's been able to push offensive line and put him over the center or the guard and just say, you push that pocket back. Yeah. Like, that is your job. Push the pocket back. Let's get some disruption and let some guys fly in. Look, like, I think Rava Hasek is really good too. And mm-hmm. so, um, okay, so that's an interesting standpoint. I mean, I think these players, they should be so motivated because they want to get the NFL. And mm-hmm. whatever you put on tape, especially against Notre Dame, like that's what NFL people are looking at. So if you're getting dominated by offensive line against Notre Dame, like that's going to happen in the NFL. So these guys should be very intrinsically motivated to get a lot better, you know, whether that's through practice and preparing to start next year or in these games. Like you should be very motivated to perform because there's a lot of money to be made out there, but you could easily not be drafted and end up working it. I don't know, someplace else. All right, Don. Becoming Any- a substitute teacher. Yeah, exactly. I was a substitute teacher once. All right. Uh, anything else, Don? No, I got to get going. A lo- yeah, a lot on there. Don's going to get out of here. Guys, appreciate Blue Shark Vodka, Johnny T-shirt. This is a scoop. Uh, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and subscribe to our YouTube page. We appreciate you listening.